When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, our F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I am your co-host, Sam, from the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass. Alongside me, your other co-host, Paul Wallace, from Supercars of London. Hello, it sounded like you were doing an orchestra. It didn't sound, it looked like you were doing an orchestra. For those who are listening, Sam's arms were all over the place as if we have a bunch of musicians here. And we did talk about getting the choir behind you. You did want a choir to sing the F1 thing. Where are they, Sam? (laughs) I did say last week, that's all last episode. That's not happening. <laughs> do you feel this is a completely off the topic subject? Okay. Do you feel with time on YouTube you become more of a caricature of yourself? Yes. Yes. I yes. mean, just, you spoke about the hands. I've noticed a lot, and I actually think some of the audience have. I d- my hand movements are getting a little out of control <laughs> these days, and when I try and rein it in, I then feel like I'm a robot. Yeah. So Paul is. And right. you also I, feel like you're so boring. Yeah. If you're just standing still. <laughs> yeah. So I started that episode again. If you're just listening and watching, not watching on the Behind the Glass YouTube channel, I said, were you they know, mu- my arms were they muted? Open. Were they were they like a muted version of what you really wanted to do? <laughs> yeah, probably. It's basically a full-on dance. Absolutely. Anyway, sorry, as I say, I got distracted. We are here, of course, to discuss the Australian Grand Prix, the 2022 F1 Grand Prix in Melbourne. And Boy, it was good to be back in Australia. <laughs> it was very good to be back. It wasn't very good to be uh, up at 5.55am, because that's what time I woke up. We're, we're now going to have a lot of uh, American viewers uh. slamming us, being like, oh, come on, guys, you can't complain about the one Grand Prix you have to wake up at 5 <laughs> But that's the, the problem, it's only one. Like These if days. there were, if there was a few of them in a row, you would get used to waking up at that time, and your body clock would shift. But because there's only one, you can't get up, and you're really tired. I actually dozed off halfway through the <laughs> oh F1. No. I'll oh admit no. it. I'll admit it straight away. Um, that yeah, we're going to be moving on and not having these early starts. Well, back in the day, though, firstly. <laughs> Australia for a long time was the first Grand Prix of the yeah. season. So for me, it's got this kind of weird, yeah. you know, seeing the cars on track there is like a sort of very exciting, this is this is the start yeah. of the year. Um, but also it did mark the start of these real early races. We had Sepang in Malaysia and my mind's gone completely China. Ch- China, yeah, China used to be yeah. at the start of the year yeah, as well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. So we used to have these sort of back-to-back really early starts, which we haven't had now for a few years. Mm. Um, but yeah, as I say, I'm sure a lot of our American listeners are going, <laughs> you know nothing. <laughs> um, the Middle Eastern ones are the best. <laughs> well, you say this. Another reason I was excited for this last race is the first time we've seen the cars in daylight. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Middle Eastern races you like because of the time that they take place. <laughs> Actually, but, and the American ones. And the Ameri- I mean, yeah. the American ones are starting to become a bit of a joke, if I'm honest. You know, I think, is it Brazil that starts like 7 or 8 p.m.? Yeah, I'm like, Perfect. I'm ready for bed. <laughs> um, but 
I'm a little fed up of night races. I oh, really. I gotta Already? be honest. I'm a bit like two in. Bro. Well, I just think things looked better in the daylight. I was like, I, I get to see the cars properly, and it's like Formula One is moving towards these night races. Everything. Vegas obviously got announced. Oh, that's going to be a night race. There was definitely a, a little bit of magic in Abu Dhabi, waiting until that race, starting at dusk, and then entering into the night to sort of finish, and then the fireworks going off. So I do get it a little bit, especially if you're used to seeing Australia being race number one. I, I like the dusk tonight. It's just the pure night race. I don't know. Where. Anyway, so maybe that's not the most important <laughs> thing to discuss about the Australian Grand Prix, but I liked seeing the cars racing in the daylight. Now, it's going to be a funny thing to say, but there is potential that this was the least mm. thrilling, I'm going to say least, least thrilling, thrilling race of 2022, which is kind of mad because so much happened and there's so much to discuss <laughs> and I actually really enjoyed it. But because we didn't have that fight between Verstappen and Leclerc, mm. or at least a fight right at the top of the field, it just felt like maybe it wasn't as, as nuts as the first two races have been. But that is because what we experienced in 2021 and at the start of 2022 is it was up here. The yeah. action was up here. For the lead of the race. And everything was to play for. And then going into this season, obviously... It felt more like an even playing field. We didn't know where the drivers and cars were going to perform. Um, so I think now that we've found our feet, and like you said to me at the beginning of the race weekend, Australia can sometimes be a bit of an, omen, an anomaly. An anomaly? Yeah. Anomaly. An yeah. anomaly. <laughs> yes, God, that's hard to say. <laughs> at this an time in the morning. Anomaly. Yes. yes, it's very early on Monday. <laughs> We're by still the way. on Australian time. <laughs> <laughs> bit of jet lag from watching the F1 at the weekend. Um, no, and it is, you know. And I think McLaren were very keen to point that out, or at least Lando Norris was very keen to point <laughs> yeah. that out. You know, historically, it has always pro- proved to, to sub- provide some slightly wacky results. But is that because it's the first race of the season and they're probably trying to find their feet as well? I think historically, yes, you're yeah. so right. Um, but also, it is a street circuit with a mm. quite weird layout. Obviously, mm. the layout changed quite a lot for this year. Um, but, you know, just the way that cars perform around that circuit doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, lead to them performing the same in other circuits. You know, Lander, I watched a lot of his post-race interviews said look the car hasn't changed mm. the car hasn't changed we That's haven't done so thing, weird then. we haven't done anything amazingly with the setup this track just suits our car and we did see a lot of promise from mclaren in pre-season mm. testing and then it all went wrong at barcelona it's uh, it suggests to me that if we sit here and go ferrari are gonna walk away with this championship <laughs> we are idiots yeah because i think the rate ne- of development I'd never, I'd never say that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would. you might I would. <laughs> the rate of development the way these cars are going to change and evolve track specific track dependent i basically don't think the teams have a full understanding of these cars yet and that was kind of proven with mclaren well, i don't think they expected that pace to turn up mm. they didn't really understand why it did and i think they're a bit nervous going to imola what it's something going to look like for them <laughs> um but yeah i think we've got a long old season ahead of us as we know how to- confusing for for new f1 viewers to come in yeah. To like the first three races of the season, be like, I'm struggling to get my head around this. <laughs> I'm like, what about Haas? Where yeah, did Haas go? Yeah. So it was a real topsy turvy kind of race for for a lot of the incredibly the grid. confusing. Um, but we did fundamentally see that it's Ferrari and Red Bull at the top. Wow. And on wow, wow, what? I mean, throughout the entire race, like race pace as they were. Everyone was saying that the Merc was better as a race well, car than the Red Bull. So I was going to come into this. So I was going to say, and then third on race pace, 
Mercedes. Right, I mean, okay, on, yes. on qualifying, it's still yeah, a bit all yeah, over the place, yeah. but on race pace, you're right. A lot of the times, Mercedes were looking like they could battle with Red Bull. I mm. think the Hamilton Perez fight looked like it was going to go on for the full oh, race. So safety car, safety cars, which seem to just absolutely <laughs> like Hamilton's cursed by safety cars at the moment, um, which he said as much as well. Um, but yeah, that, that looked like it was going on the whole race. And okay, Verstappen was a little bit clear of that for sure. But lap time-wise, they were kind of all there and thereabouts. Mm. So super interesting. But again, I think as we move forward, Mercedes might not be able to keep that kind of pace unless they start developing the car. Well, they have to develop at a faster rate than Ferrari and Red Bull. And if Ferrari and Red Bull maintain this battle throughout the season, how fast are they going to be trying to develop? How are Mercedes then going to try and overtake that? I don't know. It's a very good point. But I think, before we get into all of that... Where are we starting? The biggest takeaway of this whole weekend is... Ted Kravitz doing a shoey. No, <laughs> that was a good yeah. moment. Uh, if you missed that, by the I way, I think like it was on... I wanted to get involved. Just go, shoey, Yeah, shoey. Like 5.55 a.m., I was looking in the fridge for a beer to just do a beer out of my slipper. That says more about you than it does about the Ted Kravitz moment. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me was, is this Red Bull... <clears throat> Mm. so fragile or going to turn out to be so fragile at these early stages of the season that they're not going to be able to mount the proper challenge that they want to, the proper championship well, challenge. at this point in the season, with the new regulations, all you want to be doing is consistently collecting points. It's the only way you're going to win this year's world championship um, because the teams don't really know where their cars slot in. The drivers are finding their feet as much as the teams and the engineers are trying to find their feet, whether it's aerodynamics, powertrain, whatever it is that they're fiddling around with. And we saw in practice, Lewis was coming into the press paddock and basically saying... We're trying everything and nothing seems to be working. Whatever it is that we change, whether it's front end, nothing changes. Um, so at this point, all you want to be doing is finishing. Yep. I, and I collecting totally points. agree. And, it, and actually, if you go back to the Braun year, for example, um, so 2009, you know, fundamentally, Button won that championship by dominating mm. the first six to eight races of the year. Because yeah. then Braun ran out of money and development opportunities and Red Bull came on strong. And it was just a sort of... Could, could Vettel catch yeah. Button in time? And no, he couldn't. So, you know, if Leclerc can continue to just bash in these results, yeah. it's going to get to a point and where... And Georgie. Hold on, he's, he's, hold, hold on. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't let my blood boil too soon. Yeah. Um, so early on a Monday morning. <laughs> I'm just already pushing buttons. Already winding me up. Um, but yeah, it's going to get to a point where it, it is going to be un- impossible for, for Le- uh, Verstappen or for anyone to catch Leclerc. Um, but yeah... We've seen it over the years. There have been incredibly fast cars which turn out to be very fragile. And it's not the first time with Red Bull. I think, was it, when was Ricardo's last year? 2018, I think? <sighs> when they had horrendous reliability. And mm. that, you know, uh, that famous scene of him in the, uh, at Texas when he was in that kind of cowboy get-up suit and being furious. And it was his last, last yeah, few races with yeah. the team. So, yeah, 2018, surely. Um, so, that's the big question. Because two DNFs in three races is kind of unheard of for modern era Formula One. And what I found was weird is Red Bull came out like, oh, it's, it's not the same problem as Bahrain. Don't worry. I was like, <laughs> that's not a good thing. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. at least if it was that the same problem, reassuring. you knew what to fix. Like if it was the same problem reoccurring, you'd be like, right, we've got to get on top of this one problem. Mm. But if it's something completely different, <laughs> that's not a good thing. And yeah. they were like, don't worry, guys. It's not the same problem. <laughs> it's just unpredictable. 
from from Red Bull, like I was saying, um, how Max Verstappen drove the race in Saudi. He was unpredictable. He's throwing questions at Leclerc. <laughs> I think this is still part of his gameplay. Yeah. Just retiring every now and again, uh, not letting you. I'm not so with you. Yeah, yeah maybe this uh, yeah. this strategy is not quite going. It's not a great to idea. What, you're hoping that Ferrari becomes so relaxed. They just become Red Bull so confused. They don't yeah. know whether Red Bull are going to finish the race or not. <laughs> then they whip out the double diffuser and win everything. Um, but yeah, it's it's surprising. I mean, if you look at testing, I think it was Perez's car did have quite a lot of unreliability, mm-hmm. a few issues here and there. Fundamentally, the Red Bull looks quick. You'd have to say during the race, nowhere near as quick as Leclerc and the Ferrari. Right. You know, apart Couldn't from match. that one moment with the safety car restart where Leclerc admittedly got it a little bit wrong, he was completely in control. Yeah. Like you know, ten, fifteen seconds ahead at, at any one moment. So it was a it was a second place that Verstappen gave away, not probably a race victory, mm. but. You need those. We've seen that <laughs> yeah. over the years. Yeah. That's, but he even needs an eighth place. He needs places. I mean, I can't remember what the gap is now. 71 points to 28, is it? So my math isn't good enough, but that's a it lot. It sounds of, around 50. It's, uh, it's <laughs> something around that. Yeah. It's like 46 points. Yeah. Like, anyway, so yeah. it's a ton of points that he's now trying to make up almost two race victories. And look, as we keep saying, long season ahead. Mm. There will be races Leclerc doesn't finish. We've spoken about it before. Will, I think there'll be dominant shifts shifts in dominance as well. I think they'll be coming into a particular section of the calendar and be like, yeah, we could probably come away with three, maybe four wins in a row. Exactly, and that does claw it back. And we saw it with Hamilton against Verstappen mm. last year. There were times when we were like, he's never getting back from here. There's only five races left and he's X amount of points behind. So it's all doable, but it's, I think concerning about Red Bull's season. It's not Mm. like, could they do it? Yes, they can do it. We're only three races in. But what does this mean? Is it going to be an inherently unreliable car, which, as I say, we've seen from the likes of McLaren and Ferrari and all these different teams throughout the years, building very quick cars that unfortunately can't finish Well, they're going to go into the next race weekend and wonder whether they're going to finish the race rather than, are we going to win it? Very good point. And speaking of next race weekend... Do we think Charlie Leclerc is going to be able to pull it off in Italy? I know, of course, his, oh, his first race victory was in Monza. I I don't want to doubt the man because I've been telling you all year long, give him a race-winning car, he'll win races. He, he has, Not to sound like Will Buxton, but, uh, you know, <laughs> the man is proving all the hype and belief I had in him from his early, well, GP2 and Sauber days. But... Is this is this the... We've mentioned you, the pressure thing. Yeah, is I don't know whether he feels the pressure more in Monaco than he does in Italy. I feel like the Monaco Grand Prix holds more pressure on his shoulders than the Italian Grand Prix does. I think in uh, previously, I would agree with you basically, but previously I think he suffers when he's trying to prove a point. Mm-hmm. If you look at all the times where he has made uncharacteristic mistakes or, or mistakes, it's when he's really trying to outdrive yeah. himself when he just turns up and bosses it mm. the man's unbelievable yeah. yeah but when he's like oh i, I gotta get pole in monaco or i've i've got to start from the back and make my way through or so i'm in azerbaijan and i'm a bit behind like that's when he kind of overdrives the car so i hope in him he's just gonna turn up and be like yeah sick i got the fastest car and he's not gonna go i have to win this weekend <laughs> otherwise i've let the whole of italy down because i still there's still a part of me that is like 
watching Leclerc. Well, let's hope he's not listening right now because what you have just done there is <laughs> even more pressure on what is already a very high-pressured race weekend. Just jinx him entirely. <laughs> but no, I mean, the man is continuing to say absolute deliver, incredible performance, fantastic pole position, which apparently, according to Alonso, he could have had instead. Let's come back to that in two seconds. Um, but it's the same with every racing driver. We've talked about it so, so much on the time. podcast. It's like, oh, if I was a little bit quicker on the last corner, then I probably would have got pole too. Yeah, if I didn't have a failure, I'd be on yeah. pole. Okay, Alonso. If I was in the Ferrari, I would have got on pole. And for all the Alonso fans who are now going to come out and say, but he was two tenths up in the middle sector. He still had another sector to go. We don't. We <laughs> yeah. do not know what would have happened. <laughs> pole is not decided on the middle sector. Yeah, literally. So uh, anyway, um, but yeah. The the it was as, a grand slam for Leclerc. It was grand slam, super impressive in a clearly dominant car, and in a race when his teammate kind of fell mm. apart. Now I didn't see this coming because we've said multiple times on this podcast, if anyone's the cool, calm, collected head who's just going to get points and churn his way through the season, it was Carlos Sainz. Mm. But what do you think happened to him? I mean, it was uh, he was unfortunate, but I uh, I think. He may have had a little bit of the Leclerc syndrome, is what I'm going to call it, (laughs) Mm. is when he really felt like he was driver number two this weekend. Um, I don't feel like he was was up there. He, He never felt like he was as fast or as confident as Leclerc. And then I do think those tires just never switched on, um, in, in the race and at the beginning of the race. Um, but then we saw, was it Kevin Magnussen yep, yep. that went off and managed to save the same corner? So maybe he was overdriving. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't want to be overly harsh. I do love science, but obviously had the, so going back to qualifying, he got screwed over by the red flag, mm. but then, so he had the pressure, didn't he, to deliver yeah. a lap out of nowhere. And I think he made a bit of a mistake uh, and slammed it all. Or, anyway, so he was unfortunate there and ended up, definitely way further back than he should have been he's he was front row or at least front two rows uh, material um as you say st- has a sort of slightly awful start no heat in the tires but then i just think a bit of a desperado move going into i've forgotten all the turn numbers now they've changed the track layout mm. but one of the fastest parts of the track not mm. an easy place to make an overtake no. and just like sends it in yeah. there at way too much <laughs> speed uh and and then they're just sort of out of control and yeah. like you're not going to save it and we did see magnuson as you say at least he, I mean, he slowed the car down a bit more, but but yeah. still get across yeah. the grass and survive. Mm. Where Science was like, Whoa! yeah, which again, at this point, as we said, is just about points collecting. Yes, and it, you know when you, it looks it was, like it was an unnes- unforced error when Ferrari are as dominant as they are at this point in the season because we don't know what's going to happen in the rest of the year. Unfortunate for Science mm. and won't help him in you know it Ferra- puts him fully on the back foot mentally and also on a table order and within the team. And within the team, exactly. I was just that when you were doing a little bit of your talking there, um, I was thinking last season, Sainz would have seen himself as an equal to Leclerc. And now, three races in, he's not there. He's, he's already slotting into a number two position to help Charles out. Well, that's the whole thing is the team, Charles is the golden boy of Ferrari. Yeah. You know, has been and mentally, you just don't want that. And that's the whole thing is you need to, you know, and Carlos did great in Saudi. I think it kind of, you know, getting mm. his elbows out and it looked like he was having a bit of an advantage. And going into the weekend, I think, again, he was super quick on Friday um, and even in, uh, I guess, Q1 and Q2 and stuff. Uh, but then suddenly it all shifts because Leclerc puts in this dominant mm. performance. You have a bit of a mess and the team are like, well, we can't yeah. count on old yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it wasn't. Will ha- it will have an impact. It will definitely have an impact and it wasn't a great race 
for Sainz and for Verstappen in terms of yeah, future championship. Mm. Um, but, but long way to go. So, let me ask, who were your standout drivers from Australia? Well, who, apart from who, the fact you had a little <coughs> sleep. Who can I remember? <laughs> <laughs> there, were some, there were some good performances, but I feel like during your nap, you may have missed some of them. Um, I, highly, I, I highly enjoyed watching... This is as a collective, sure, um, because we have talked about this away from the away from the microphones. Is whilst we've got Red Bull and Ferrari battling it out, we do want teams to to join that fight, and we want to see three, four teams. And what I felt like on race pace throughout the duration is, yes, McLaren and Merck weren't quite there, but to see them closer to the Red Bull and the Ferrari. Leclerc obviously drove the wheels off that car and he got out of the car and said, <laughs> the car was unbelievable. Like, this wasn't possible without the car. So he had high praise for the car, which shows that Ferrari have done a really good job. Um, I actually was... Uh, I, this might sound a little bit obvious, but Albon, it, I, I, I loved him when he came into the Red Bull car. I thought he was highly enjoyable. Gutted when he when he lost his seat and, and sort of dropped out of Formula 1. To, so to not only see him back in F1, um, then do, what, 56 laps or whatever it was on one set of tyres. I was talking to you in, during a Saudi Grand Prix and saying, like, oh, can... Because I think Lewis at one point maybe could have got to the end on that one set of tyres. And you said, no, 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 they've got to come into the pits. And I was trying to think... He's got to come into the pits. And then what's that going to do? Is that going to throw away his potential points? Um, so great to see him at P10. I don't know whether that ruins any of the order that what we're going to be talking about. Loved seeing Albon up there. Um, but I also loved seeing, as the checkered flag dropped, by the way, I didn't fall asleep for that long. But <laughs> okay, sure. Short nap. Yeah, when, when Lewis came around and be like, great. I mean, he's up there. Russell's up there. And then seeing Lando come through. I wondered whether we were going to see a swap on the on the final corner to see Lando let Ricardo past. Really? Yeah. What, is it like a hometown hero? Yeah. Because it, it did look a bit odd because we didn't get the message that Lando had some apparent problem, apparently. It looked like Ricardo was really closing mm. up. I was like, oh my God, Ricardo's going for a yeah, lunch on the last yeah. lap. Um, and it would have been nice, but I think they are way too competitive yeah. uh, with each other and within that team yeah. to have done anything yeah. like that. The, the, other, the other one, the other one. Um, big flag flyer of Mick Schumacher. He finished above K-Mag, didn't he? I'm not sure he did in the end. Well, he was above him for a long period. Oh, he did. Well done. He did. 13. My guy. <laughs> he wasn't your guy. <laughs> Five minutes ago. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's come back to old Mick. Um, I've I got to agree with you on Albon. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think this reminds us of how highly we need to rate him. Because we did, as he went into mm. that Red Bull seat, and then it all fell apart, like it did for so many drivers when they joined Red Bull. Um, but he's done what Russell did for three years, or however long he was at Williams, and everyone went, oh my God, he's the next coming of Jesus Christ, and maybe we're seeing that now, first podium for, for Russell with Mercedes. Um, it was a fantastic performance, because not only did he make those tyres last, but he was quick. Mm. He was quick, and he did what he needed to do, and to, to get P10, I think, was fantastic, fantastic for Williams, fantastic for him, and as Latifi falls apart, continues to fall <laughs> apart. I think it's already fallen apart. Oh my God. Albon is just doing everything that he needs mm -hmm. to do to remind me that actually, guys, hold on a I, I am good. I yeah, yeah. a disaster at Red Bull. So, yeah, super happy for him. Um, uh, Norris, I agree, like, good for McLaren, you know. Yeah, and they, they, ran, they ran whatever it was, you know, back-to-back -back or next to each other or 
in tandem for the whole race. She wasn't yeah. at Norris yeah. and Ricardo, so they were fairly evenly matched. It looked like Norris just had the upper hand, a bit like with Russell and Hamilton at the end. Like he had an answer for Ricardo as he needed to, but I, I got the feeling if they were the other way around at any point, Ricardo would have kept Norris behind as well. So yeah. it was very evenly matched. Um, I, I I hope I hope Lando's wrong, and that's a sign of McLaren getting like just you know getting somehow figuring out that car. Yeah, it turned good because you're right. It was nice to see them up there, wasn't it? Um, so you mentioned Mick Schumacher. It was a weird one because yeah, Hass's pace has disappeared, especially K-Mac's pace. I actually remember weirdly, I feel like I sort of saw Mick having a bit of a messy race. He also had that terrifying moment of colliding into Sonoda on the start from the side with the safety car race. That was scary as hell. But I just I feel like it was a messy race. Maybe it wasn't, but yeah, both out of the points, unfortunately, for mm-hmm. them and, and not looking as competitive as they had done. Um, was it the last time that we were at Australia when Hass had that double retirement when they both came into the pits. I think maybe exactly. right. so absolutely, all, literally all fell apart. Better than the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe Australia's just cursed for them. Who knows? So, can we then quickly touch on Alonso? Because we did a little bit. Okay. So, going into the race, you know, Alpine looked competitive and fast during practice. He was quick, and then yeah, going into into quality. I mean, he's there selling purple sectors in Q three. Looks like he's genuinely going to like. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry shampoo, Chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Trouble for the front row, hydraulics failure or whatever it was, sends him off into the gravel and into the barrier. He then had a fairly uneventful, unexciting race. He finished down officially P17, but like what? Yeah, didn't didn't move forward. Like didn't do anything. Like, and this is a guy who. Could have been on the front row, came out after being like, we were quicker than the Mercedes all weekend. And I'm like, were you, mate? Because they're mm. third and fourth and you're 17th. So I, that confused me a bit. And also, uh, people, let us know in the comments, did he have some secret issue that we missed? Was there some performance yeah. deficit? Because I, I've long had the suspicion, haven't I? Oh, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been working towards us for years. And I went to the factory, I picked up all of these rumours. And, and I thought with Alonso about to get a pole, I was like, it's coming true! <laughs> and then he's just nowhere. He was nowhere in the race. But I do kind of feel like Alpine have that capability of either finishing in the top five and being like, wow, 
Where did they come from? No, or just completely disappearing it's because I actually forgot that they were even running. Yeah, there so was, there was one point where I think Ocon nearly had a crash, and they was like, oh yeah, they're still in there. But they weren't in the pink cars this weekend, were they? No, so flip livery, which was yeah, a bit confusing. Yeah. I was like, oh, who's that? <laughs> and when they were racing with Williams, I was like, what's going on? Yeah. In my brain, I was like, it's what, too early. What have they done? Yeah, this is so strange. Something's, something's going on. <laughs> um, okay, so we've got to touch on then Joji Russell. Oh, I thought we were going to go to say Vettel. No, no, no. We're saving him till the end. So yeah, Joji Russell. So solid performance from Merck on race pace. Uh, George, fortunate with the safety car, was probably a net P4 in that race, yeah. uh, or P5 if Verstappen hadn't retired. Hamilton, I say, looked more competitive against Perez at least. Um, but once Russell was in that position, he did incredibly yeah. well. And actually, I think his, his racing with Perez, he held Perez behind far longer than Hamilton did. Mm. So his confidence in the car to do battle, I think, was great. I, I mean, I think it was a really... It was a solid, solid weekend from, oh, yeah, from Russell. 100%. And more proof of Merck making the right choice and him delivering what he needs to. And he's going to push Hamilton and the team forward because he's there. I mean, they again, ran, running in tandem. Is that the right thing to say? I don't, I don't know. know. There was at one point in the race where it was, <clears throat> other than the Ferrari, and then it was the two Red Bulls, the two Mercedes, the two McLaren, then there was like the two Alpine. Then there was a split between the Alfa Romeo and, and Alfa Tauri and that, but it was very it was it was almost as though exactly yeah. yeah the teams were just driving around together. Um, but that's that's good to see. I think for us as semi Mercedes fans, I'm a Hamilton fan, not really the same. Well, fan. but in terms of if you look at the collective result from a team perspective, Mercedes won that weekend. <laughs> they got, they collected they collected, oh sorry yeah yeah from a points perspective fair. Well, yeah, P2 in the championship, yeah. so is Russell. I mean, if you think about it, we sit here slating Mercedes. What's happened to them? Their pace has gone out of the window. It's a disaster. But actually, they are nailing it. Through a bit of luck. Mm. But they are there scooping up all the points they can so that as and when or if, maybe, they can turn that car around. They're right they're, there. They're in perfect Compared position. to Verstappen, who Christian Horner was like, oh, I'm not fast, like whatever. Yeah. Actually, mate, hold yeah, on a sec, yeah. because you should be winning races. Yeah. And you're not, like, you are 45-odd points off the championship lead. Like, that's a long way to claw back, where, okay, fine, Hamilton is equally the same, so I think he's only one for Stappen, but Russell's right up there, and as a team, they're only 30-odd points, I think, off Ferrari, which is, which is nuts. Go, going off the back of this weekend, they are going to be going into Imola and the, the next few races with, with far greater confidence than uh, science. Yeah, and... Yeah. Then collectively the Ferrari team and also Red Bull because Red Bull don't know whether they're going to be able to finish the race. They're obviously thinking, yeah, we'll be competitive, we'll be fighting for Ferrari. But then when you get 75, 80% into the race, what's going to happen to that car? Um, so there's a lot of questions that will be asked between signs, Red Bull, Ferrari. And at the moment, whilst all Merck really have to do is just make sort that car out. Well, yeah, I mean, I see, yeah, like 25 seconds well, off the lead. they've got to do it the car, I mean, Yeah, it's so <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, 25 seconds off the lead with a couple of safety cars, you know. They're, they're struggling, like, yeah. they're, we can't get away from that. And on quality pace, it's tough. I mean, I know they were fifth and sixth, weren't they? Which is kind of where they should be, if you think about it. They're mm. the theoretically third fastest team, but even that was a practice of Well, that's the thing, it's, you kind of question it. You don't really know yeah. uh, where they're going to end up. But race pace, they do look like the third fastest. But yeah, it's, 
it's such a hard one to say. And you could easily see if a Leclerc and Verstappen came together in a race, and then you had an unreliable Sainz and Perez, you can see where a Mercedes victory is going to come from this year. It's not going to come from pace. So, yeah. but, but if they can keep doing what they're doing now for the, for the first five or six races of the year, they are going to be in a fantastic position if they can get that cast. It's what wins world, world Championships. Like me and Tony talk about it a lot. It's the consistency. Yeah. To be able to operate at that level and just be in the right place. A lot of people will call it luck. It's absolutely not luck that Russell, Lewis or Bottas were right there to collect the points. Every, if, if they weren't having the best weekend, their car wasn't the fastest, they were there to collect the points. And if, like you say, Leclerc and Verstappen come together, or Perez and Leclerc, or whoever comes together, if they're just there, that was kind of a strategy that I took into the race weekend that I just had. <laughs> that will be talked about in a future episode. Yeah, I think we probably should. We should. That kind of to this point. <laughs> okay, well, look, let's come on to, I guess, our main topic for the day, which falls into Conspiracy Corner. Oh, 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 drop the theme, oh, the theme song. Conspiracies. I think that theme song is very different to the one that featured in the last episode. <laughs> okay. Because you haven't figured out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on fire. We're just trying around with a little bit of production. We're working on some auto-tune for Sam as well. <laughs> 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 so, Go you on. mentioned his name already. Subvetal. Here is my leading question for us to discuss to draw out this episode. <laughs> will Seb Vettel finish the season? Do you think he will go before the end of the season? Yes, I do. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, he raised a few eyebrows when he started to pick rubbish up at the end of the race weekend. Kind of felt like his, his mind, his, his heart wasn't in the racing as such. I think he is quickly falling out of love with the sport which I think came from the way that he was fundamentally booted out Ferrari because that was his that was his life goal his life ambition he ticked that box and everything's gone kind of gone downhill from then um, his crash this weekend is literally like what I would do on the end. <laughs> it's like you hit the curb and then you're like oh Oh, that's so annoying. Restart. Restart. <laughs> no, you're so right. And it really goes back, I think, even further than that. You know, so you've hit the nail on the head, I think. That final year at Ferrari, stuff started to go a bit wrong. And, and he looked like a different set, you know, in interviews and things like that, the way people were questioning him. He wasn't the same guy and there was something off. He goes to Aston Martin. We've all got our hopes and prayers. That this is going to be a new lease of life for Seb. He has some good results early on, but the car's uncompetitive, and as the year goes on, the car becomes less competitive, and he looks a little unenthused by it. Do you reckon that was after he was forced to shoot the DBX at that? <laughs> <laughs> that we all saw a million times when you watched Sky UK. Um, but yeah, and as you say, he then started to become more proactive in sort of things away from the track, or around the track, you know, the litter pitting, the, the, the sort of human rights um, advocating, or the human rights... Uh, support, you know, mm. all these things that were fantastic to see as him as a human, as someone in the sport who's a voice and, and has got that power, but, yeah, wasn't really focused on the racing. Then we see him turn up to pre-season testing looking homeless. <laughs> he still looks homeless <laughs> today, like his hair and his bit, like he literally looks like he's just like come out of a cabin for four months. He's fully going, I don't know what the right, I don't know what the right word is. He, he's very, very quickly, because I've listened to the podcast that he did, um, is it called Beyond the Grip? 
Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the F1. Um, and he's he's like, oh, I live on a farm. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, I no just, social media. Yeah. Like just yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Happy in my life with my family. <clears throat> he will fully go off grid the moment. Oh, we'll never see him again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we we might see him around the paddock, but, but, but oh, I just don't know. Really? Because really? yeah. you're right. Because then we see a bit of testing. Aston Martin are a bit off. He gets COVID. If I was so fettled at home and I saw the first two races and I saw Aston Martin, I'd be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just keep on. Literally, I'm like, I don't want to go yeah, back. Yeah. And then he turns up, he has a disastrous weekend basically in general. The car looks hard for him to drive. He makes mistakes. Him and Stroll are in the wall, left, right, center. Just like everything falls apart. And in interviews and just in his general body language, and even Paul DeResta picked up on it. And, and you know, he said, like, I, I know Seb well. I've, I've raced against him for years. That's, that's, not, that's not the Seb you he want to see. Him. He looks distant. and. If I was metal and I had these sort of other passions now and these other things and I was in a super uncompetitive car which doesn't look like it's metal, I'd just be like, actually, you know what, guys, mm. I've done myself. Because what's he, he's got nothing to prove. It, this is, yeah, it, I, I actually think about this quite a lot, whether I'm watching football, tennis, whatever it is. Like, we're coming to the end of an era in quite a lot of sports in terms of the greatest of all time in, in, in existence. You're looking at the, the Messi and the Ronaldo era. You're looking at Federer, Nadal, all of these, all of these players that have been so dominant in their sport, and Lewis Hamilton to an extent. Um, you kind of have to bow out with dignity, credibility, and holding your try high. Yeah, exactly. Um, and apologies for the football reference, but Arsene Wenger was a prime example of someone really should have retired three seasons prior to, to what he did because he was then remembered for the decline of the Arsenal Football Club rather than the heroics that he had during his heyday. And <clears throat> Vettel's another example of someone who's won multiple world championships, been so dominant in the sport, had some of the, the greatest on-track battles and championship battles um, with Lewis um, and other racing drivers. Like, I can't remember whether probably shoot <laughs> um, and there becomes a point where you have to switch off your competitiveness because these guys have got the highly the highest strung level of competitiveness built into their DNA. It's the reason why they operate at the level that they operate at, and the reason why they're going to every race weekend. So to be able to turn that off is one of the the hardest because really, like they live. To compete, and they live to try, and, and Vettel will be there because he wants to win. That's as simple as that. But if you so, you know, we've seen it multiple times with champions in Formula One before. Mika Hakkinen, not so much. He did have that dodgy year that he took his, you know, uh, what what not retirement? What do we call it? Sebastian, thank you. You know, Jacques Villeneuve, Damien Hill, um, other great drivers, David Coulthard, even Button. If you think about it, like staying in the sport in an uncompetitive car for what. From the outside, it feels like a bit too long. You think, oh god, what a what a disappointing mm. way to end your career. Just mm. sort of racing for seventeenth place, like in an uncompetitive car. But you're so right. If for them, they are just constantly chasing that competitive uh, hit, that vibe. That, that that's. I that's, think they're all terrified of retirement and losing a purpose. Very good point as well. Absolutely fantastic point. But I think at the same time. If you look at all those individuals and if you listen to Beyond the Grid and any other kind of interview with an ex-Formula One driver, 
there definitely gets to a point where they all start to say, you know, I, I just realized that I wasn't enjoying it as much. I didn't have that drive, I didn't have that hunger. Even Kimmy, like we laugh and joke about Kimmy, but you know, he had some great years after his championship. Um, but those, those final two seasons with Salva, you could kind of tell he was ready to go. And I think from the body language and the messaging and everything about Vettel this year, even prior to the start of the season, I was like, I, I, I don't see this guy hanging around. And Aston Martin just, I, we hate to see it. That team is really in trouble. You know, Force India, Racing Point, whatever. Always the underdogs, always punching above their weight. And I'm sorry, they're going through a big technical restructuring. So in five years' time, yeah. maybe they'll come good. But it is a horror show right now. And if I was Vettel, I'd be like, what's the point? Exactly. What is the point? I take a year out, go and do Le Mans. You can always come back. Look at Alonso. Yeah. You, can, yeah. you know, you are a four-time world champion. There is always going to be a team that is tempted to sign you. There's always an opportunity to pick up a seat. Exactly that, where instead it's going to dwindle down, unhappy, and crash it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have another conspiracy oh. corner. <laughs> conspiracy corner. <laughs> Next time, bring your guitar. Oh, I did have one. Right? <laughs> it's a conspiracy. So, it's not necessarily a conspiracy as such, but I was having a conversation with someone else who is um, quite interested in motorsport, shall mm-hmm, we say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he claimed that Lewis might get to the point where Vettel's at this okay. season. Okay. Because he has, has only got one more um, season on his contract, Lewis. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, think he can, I think he's probably got the, the mental capacity to just go, screw it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire. So what if Mercedes oh, don't compete and bring the development up to Ferrari and Red Bull right? And Lewis is just batting around fifth, sixth, dropping down into 11th, and not getting the hook, the buzz that he needs from the sport. He uses Abu Dhabi as an excuse to be like, it took me, I used so much of my energy, physically and mentally, to bring myself to race one of 2022, considering what happened in 2021. How much it took me to get to the grid for this race season, giving it a go, it's not worth it. So I'm finishing. Mercedes pull out. Oh, Mercedes shift and go, it's not working out for us within our, within our corporate direction. We're actually pulling out of Formula One now. And what happens to George Russell? He's worked his entire life <laughs> to get the Mercedes seat. He gets one season in an uncompetitive car and then has to go and find another seat. I mean, this is, this is it's such so an out there. It's such a stretch. But you can see it happening. I can fully see Lewis, at the end of this season, going, I, I used up all of my energy to get here, and it's not what it's mm. not. So that we're going to discuss. Mercedes pulling out, I'm going to leave for you and your tinfoil hat <laughs> to analyse and discuss. You can find some people on What's Twitter. the point of Mercedes if there are two on. British drivers? Wait, let's just because there's another slow down here. here. Let's slow down here, because I know you've spent your week looking at conspiracies <laughs> online, and I do not want this podcast to become just completely ridiculous. So Lewis is a very interesting one, I think it's worth discussing. Like, off the back of Saudi, you could look at it and go, is this guy like, what, like what's Lewis Hamilton doing? He's yeah. sitting around like, it's super unfortunate. And actually, off the mic, uh, we discussed this with Max Shilton when we turned into our podcast with him mm. last week. You know, I, I think if Hamilton had won the eighth championship last year, I think he would have retired. I, I just get the feeling he would have been like, cool, I've done it. Yeah. And, and in the same way that Rosberg did at the end of his championship year, 
He'd put so much of his heart and soul and body into that fight with Verstappen. I think he's like, I think he was like, cool, yeah. I'm done. New era, new generation for Formula One, off you go. And Try and beat my record. Yeah, exactly. That's what he's going for. As a legacy type thing. Whether he's going to come out and say it, seven world championships is not enough for Lewis. However, he doesn't win the championship. Mm-hmm. Hamilton, rather than, I think his ego and his competitiveness wouldn't allow him to go, right, well, I'm so disgusted with the sport, I'm going to walk away. Because I think the thought of people calling him a sore loser, yeah. or as you say, the fact that he didn't achieve what he wanted to, I think he was like, nah, I, I've got to give another go and I believe in my team. And that was the talk, you know, at the start of the year after Bowen, I'm, no, the team are going to figure this out, well, I'm good. Then he gets to Sam and he's like, oh no, like, I'm not sure <laughs> the team are going to figure this out. He ten? Yeah, literally. Um, <clears throat> and at the start of the weekend, he looked very confused and, uh, well, as, as you say, whatever we do to the car never improves and uh, I don't know what's going on. But, I think again his ego we've got to remember like as much as we support Hamilton his ego is the 90% of who he is as a man the thought of him bowing out just because he's an uncompetitive car it would slightly be hypocritical but also allow every single hater to be like oh there you go see the minute he's not in the fastest car he's bailing and whilst it's been a long time and comments that he makes like do you even get points for 10 they're a little bit disrespectful yeah He's been through this, you know, there have been yeah. plenty of years where he's not been in a championship winning car and, and they're not, okay, they're not 17th and 18th, they're second in the championship, he's had a podium, Russell's now had a podium, they're there or thereabouts and in 2012, in 2010, in 2009, he's been in cars that have performed as badly in inverted commas as this or as, you know, in a sort of car that doesn't look like he's uh, alive 2012, 2011 when he kept crashing. Anyway, he's been in this situation before, so but just as to, a younger... As a younger, th- hungrier driver, yeah. sure, but the other question is, if he bails out, and then next year Mercedes deliver a championship winning car, what's he playing? Mm. So, I, I can't see it. I, I can see him getting more and more frustrated, more and more depleted, and is he sitting there going, guys, let's just, let's give up hope, we're not going to win the championship, put everything into next year, then I'll win my eighth and, and go. But this is Formula 1, there's no guarantee ever. You yeah. can't guarantee it. You know, bless Tony, as the hardcore Hamilton fan he is, and the, you can't believe that Hamilton <laughs> won't figure it out in the championship. I, I've been trying to say carefully to him so he doesn't get too upset. There is a chance that Mercedes just won't win this championship. It does happen. Like, we do see it. Red Bull, after their years of dominance with Vettel, got it wrong. Ferrari, with their years of dominance with Schumacher, got it wrong. Uh, prior to that, McLaren, with their years of dominance with Prost and Senna, started to get it wrong. Williams, oh my god, 98 with Williams, yeah. going from a three or four years of complete dominance. So it happens, it, it, it changes, and there's no guarantee Mercedes will get it back. But as Hamilton, I don't think at the first hint of uncompetitiveness, he'll jump ship. He'll jump ship. Mm-hmm. I think he'll 100% go to the end of the year. I would assume he'll do next year as well, but then might bow out. I think if it's two years of uncompetitiveness, then he might say, I definitely don't think he wants to go dwindling, but that's what Vettel, Vettel didn't sit there going, oh yeah, I want to go in this race just for the sake of racing in a crap team. I think he genuinely thought Aston Martin could go somewhere. They've always been the underdog team. Yeah. They've got huge money coming in. They're poaching all the right people. Hey, maybe I'll go and win races. Mm. Look at Bottas. <laughs> he went to Alfa Romeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing so well. Yeah. So I think that's what Vettel was hoping for. It's just falling apart for him. So, lots of questions, lots of things to wait and see about the season. That's what makes the season so exciting. I think there's just so much that's going to change and going to happen, and we're just going to have to hold our breath. But the fundamental truth is, at the moment, 
Charlotte Claire. It's all to play for. No, it's not. It Charlotte is. Claire is smashing life. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just being the boy I always wanted to be. He's definitely doing what Carlos Sainz did when he went to Ferrari. And I was looking at him and he's not a Ferrari driver. Leclerc has always been in my eyes a Ferrari driver. Like he, I, I always Through. believed he deserved that seat from what he did in F2. And it was kind of only a matter of time until he got there. But yeah, I just think because of those early Ferrari seasons and the races that he got shone and propelled into the limelight, Monaco just is so fresh in my mind every single time with everything that he does there. But now actually to see him kind of deliver what you've expected from him um, is cool to see. And as long as he continues to win, Max will stop. That's going to lose up there. The problem is, I, I, we discussed this once earlier, I don't know how to, how to get up there, it's Hamilton versus Leclerc for the championship. What um, happens there? Well, I am a Hamilton fan. I think I do want Hamilton. But it's that kind of thing where I don't really care. I'd be happy, it's, but I just want to see the race. What if Mercedes remain uncompetitive? Carlos Sainz continues to decline. Okay, you're going to be crazy. You've read too many conspiracies. I'm still on the anyway, time uh, yeah. <laughs> What we're going to have to discuss in a future episode is whether Monaco is going to continue to exist as a full and oh, That's yeah. a big talking topic, but we'll probably save that for later. Maybe even around Monaco. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Monaco special. Exactly. When's our next race? Is it a couple of weeks now? Two weeks. weeks. Okay. I guess not two weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's two weeks, but I don't know if you're around. 25th. Is it this the 20, 25th? 24. 24th. 24th is the race. 25th. Yes, you are around. Okay. Um, so yes, we'll be back with you then for a couple of uh, in a couple of times. Really <laughs> um, for it's kind of the start of the European season, but not really because then we go to Miami. But anyway, uh, our first European race of the year, which will be super exciting, around him in the Ferrari homeland <laughs> with a competitive car. Oh my god, I'm almost exploding with excitement. Um, so yes, uh, tune in or stay subscribed if you want to check out that episode. Of course, Tony and I will be back with you later this week for the latest main. So what uh, are you talking about? Uh, it's a bit of car news. There's been a lot, lot going on actually recently. Um, and I don't know. We just talk crap, man. I never really know what we're going to talk about. But there's a bit of car news that we're going to be discussing. So yes, uh, subscribe here to this YouTube channel. Turn on the notifications. Uh, keep following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you can listen to your podcasts. If you want to follow Paul, he's at WallacePJW or at Supercars London on most social media platforms. I'm at Seen Through Glass on most social media platforms. See you in a couple of weeks for more Up Chicken Flag. Goodbye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.